Glory to Jesus. Well, it's a, it's a joy to have a chariot Sunday service. Next Sunday is going to, going to be another chariot service. And uh, Brother Bill's going to be ministering to us next Sunday morning. So praise the Lord. I'm glad they are here all the way from both North Carolina and Texas, Crowley, Texas. So Bill and Ginger, it's really wonderful to have you with us. Praise the Lord. Thank you for coming. Why don't you just stand up and turn around and greet everybody. So welcome to us, to Bill and Ginger. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, uh, we live oceans apart, but um, God has knit our hearts together. And He's a brother and Ginger, them as a couple that we love very dearly in this ministry. Certainly, Pastor Sharon, I do. What about you guys? Amen. Hallelujah. And so uh, we're looking forward to the the gifts that they bring to us. And uh, I thank God that He reveals and He delivers and He brings multi-gifts to us that are in the body of Christ so that we can all come to maturity and we can all do something that we didn't or couldn't do before. That's what the gifts bring. Amen. Hallelujah. So I want you to get into agreement with me this morning that the Lord would give me utterance to speak as I should in the time that is given to me because I've got something important to say and, uh, and I trust that the Lord will help me deliver it in such a manner that I get through it in the time that we have available today. Amen. Do you agree with me? Amen. Praise the Lord. I'd like you to go with me to Psalm chapter, Psalms chapter 8, verse 3, please. Psalm chapter 8, verse 3. I'm going to read the whole psalm to you. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him. I mean, many days I wake up in the morning and I'm aware of my humanity because when you sleep, you're actually, although your spirit is awake, your body is asleep and you wake up and you're aware of your humanity because in the first moments you wake up, you are vulnerable. Certainly your senses are not immediately alert Um, And there is a waking process. And I'm always aware of the fact in those moments that God is mindful of us. And uh, it's always a wonder to me that He is. And so the psalmist here is declaring the same. For you have made Him, man, a little lower than the angels and you have crowned Him with glory and honour. You have made Him to have dominion over the works of your hands. If you want to know why I'm not scared of a lion, I'm not going to go and cheeky try and uh, call him a pussycat and try and stroke his mane, you know. But I'm not afraid of a lion because I have dominion over him. That's why mankind as a whole has dominion over the earth. 
So we have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. How excellent is your name in all the earth. This is a marvelous psalm and in, later on in my scriptures that I'm going to read to you today, I'll make reference to it again from the book of Hebrews. But this is an amazing passage of scripture because it gives us the whole, whole scope of what we were born to do. We were born to have dominion over everything. We were born for that. Hello? Amen. Amen. We were born for it. We were born to have dominion. We were not born to be trodden upon. We were not born to be subservient to. We were not born to, to just wait for things to happen to us. We were born to have dominion. Man was born to have dominion. So as Christian man, we have the power to have dominion in ways that other people don't have if we will choose to exercise it. That is the big, that's the big, the big if there. If we choose to exercise it, then we can have dominion. So I'm so full of this word that the Lord has given me that I, I, I couldn't help, I had, help it. I had to minister some of this to the young people on Thursday morning, I believe it was. And so, uh, they would have heard me say this and I was kind of tongue-in-cheek when I said it to them and I say it to you tongue-in-cheek. I say it to you, uh, everything is everything. But it, it's a very simple statement, but actually you might say, oh, well, duh. But everything is everything. If you say everything then it doesn't exclude anything. It means everything, right? And nothing is nothing. Okay, Pastor John, I didn't come to church here to have, you know, like, you know, those kind of dirt statements made to me. Bear with me. Bear with me. I'm not talking down to you. Nothing is nothing. And everything is everything. Between nothing and everything is something. Hallelujah. Many, many times we as Christians, we have the dominion in our hearts. We have eternity in our hearts. We know, we actually know we are meant for much greater things than we are living by. And so we, we, especially like when we're praising and worshiping God the way we did this morning, and when we are giving ourselves to God in a, in a private time, in a private place, and we're reading the Word and or God is showing Himself to you in a great way, it's, it's as if though you can, you can do anything. It's almost like everything's within your grasp when you're with Him. Right? It's when you come out of, the, out of being in His presence that you become aware 
that you can do nothing. Well, you might say, well, Pastor John, that's a bit simplistic. Okay, who gave you the breath that you're breathing right now? It wasn't your parents' DNA. It was God who gave you the breath that you breathe. It was God who caused you to be born. You weren't just born because of some genetic factor, because a man and a woman came together and you were born. That's just the process God used to get you into the earth. But He breathed you into the earth. He was present before you were even born, you were found in Him. I've preached this a lot, so I'm not gonna go through this again today. But you were, you were born in Him, you were, you were in Him before the generations of people that were born before you that got you here. You were already in God. He knew your time that you would be born. And so when the time came for you to be born, He chose vessels to bring you into the earth. Amen. So when you are having time with Him, when you get to know God and you begin to believe God, you realize that you can do everything that He says you can do. But when you're in your humanity, you believe you should know that you can do nothing. The problem is, is that man lives somewhere in between in the something zone. Not everything and not nothing, they live in the something zone. And the something zone is a very dangerous zone because the something zone is what keeps you from walking in everything. It wasn't that simple, really. Actually, the discourse has elevated a little, right? So I'm going to read to you from John chapter 8, verse 23. You don't have it on, the, on, your, in, on my message that I sent to you, but I put it in later this morning. John 8, verse 23 in the New King James Version. It says, And he said to them, You are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. He was saying, I'm not of this world and you are of this world. So bear with me as I get through this teaching today. Then they said to Him, well, if you're not of this world, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. So Jesus is always going to take us to a beginning point. I trust that today will be a beginning point for you. I believe that what God is doing for us right now will be something that's a beginning point for you. I have many things to say and to judge concerning you but he who sent me is true and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. They did not understand that I spoke to them of the Father. 
Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father taught, I speak these things. So what's He referring to? He's speaking to people that don't know and can't read the signs that He's the Messiah. And these, when they lift Him up, he's talk, to, Jesus is talking about the crucifixion. And He said, And He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please Him. I always do. I always do. Can you tell me if that's everything? I always do what my Father tells me to do. Always. Always means everything. There is nothing left out of always. It's everything. He never lived in the something zone. He always lived in the everything zone. If we want to do the works that Jesus did, we must live in the everything zone, not in the something zone. That's why most Christians don't receive anything because they try and live in the something zone. Then that Bible says that believer is, double-minded and he will receive nothing of the Lord in the nothing zone. I'm already preaching good this morning. Yeah. So you didn't think I could get a whole message out of everything and nothing and something. Huh? This is how the Lord gave it to me. So, and Jesus said to, I beg your pardon, um, as he spoke these words, many believed in him. He spoke what? Words. And the words that he spoke caused many to believe in him. How did that happen? How is it that Jesus was merely declaring something that was about to happen that was beyond the scope of human reason and yet they believed in him? It's because the words that He spoke were the words that the Father spoke through His vessel because everything is everything. So when He spoke the words, He was speaking what He heard the Father speak. Because of that, the power of the Father was on His words. So many believed in Him hadn't come from the Father. Hallelujah. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed Him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. If you know the truth, the truth shall make you free. Shall is one of those words. It's not a something word. A shall is an everything word. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It's an everything word. It's not maybe you'll be free. You will be free. Truth will make you free. If you let it. 
you will know the truth. This is not about someone else. This is not about other people that sit around you or others that may listen to this with you. This is about you. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. That's very much in the everything zone. Verse 38 says, I speak what I have seen with my father and you do what you have seen with your father. Well, later on, he would call these people that he's talking to, these these, um, Pharisees and Sadducees and all of these people, so-called teachers of the word, or the, or the commandments of God, he would call them, they're, they're, he would say to them, your father is the devil. So even though they knew what the covenant said, they didn't believe that who Jesus was, that he was the word come to the earth. So here's the scripture that I didn't put in my notes. John 14, verse 10. John 14, verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work, the works. I mean, he's making a very everything statement here, isn't he? The words that I speak, I do not speak on my own authority. I do not, I do not. That's an everything statement. Yes? If you say, I do not, then it means you do not. There are some people that are, that are, that I know of amongst us that are gluten intolerant. If they eat gluten, it has a very, very bad impact on their body. So they say, I do not eat gluten anything that has got gluten in it. I do not. That means they don't make an exception. It's an everything statement. If you're truly gluten intolerant, then gluten will have a very bad impact on you. I'm trying to make this real to you. Yeah, come on. You can help me preach a little bit this morning. Amen. It's just like, you know, uh, if, if caffeine does bad things to you, then you might say, well, I'll have a little bit of caffeine sometimes, but not every time because I'll tolerate it sometimes. That's not an everything statement. That's a something statement. But if you know that there is something that your body can't tolerate, for example, I'm allergic to shellfish. What I'm actually allergic to is iodine. And uh, the iodine that is in shellfish has a very negative impact on my body. How do I know that? Well, when I was 12 years old, I had uh, shellfish and uh, within, so I'd, I'd eaten shellfish before, but for some reason, it's one of those things that you can go for years and eat shellfish and then one day it seems to trigger something in your body. Can't say why, but it just seems that way. But on this particular occasion, my parents made shellfish at home and uh, it, my dad brought it over from Mozambique or whatever the case was and it were these huge uh, lang- uh, langoustines, I think they were. And uh, within minutes, my face started to swell up and 
and I started to have difficulty breathing. My dad was on the ball enough to just put me in the car and drive me straight to the hospital. And by the time I got to the hospital, I was hardly able to breathe. I was going blue in the face. And so they immediately just took me into the emergency wards and, and uh, they started to inject me with stuff and gave me oxygen and did various things to me and, and saved my life, you know. Because who was to know at that point, I'd eaten shellfish before and no, no reaction. On this particular time, I had reaction. So when people come to me and they say to me, you know, can we make you some shellfish? I do not. I do not eat shellfish. I, I have used my faith to the point where if there is shellfish in any given substance that I don't know of and it gets into my body, that it will not harm me and it will not have an impact on me. Because it does happen sometimes. When I was in the corporate world, sometimes I would, I would go to places and, and, uh, and they would, they would uh, make all kinds of foods on the same grill and then some of that food would get to me and without knowing it, I would be, I'd have some of that stuff and the next minute my eyes would start to swell up and then I would know that, they, that they've been doing the same food on the same grill. I mean, that was a long time ago. Nowadays, you can tell most kitchens and they'll help you get through that but it was a long time ago before people knew this kind of stuff. So I had to use my faith and believe God and every now and again I'd go to a function and I'd come home with swollen eyes and I'd have to leave the function because of the way that it affected me. I don't believe that I'm that intolerant anymore. I don't. But, <clears throat> you know, I do not. That's not a something statement. That's an everything statement. Hallelujah. So when Jesus says, I, do, I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works, then He's not making occasionally I'll do my thing. And then when God, when I do my thing, God will bless it. He says, everything. I never speak on my own authority. I only speak what God tells me to speak. So, there's a few things I want to just make as statements that I'll get to in time to come. Jesus came to fulfill the law. He never came to preach the law. Okay, he came to fulfill it, not preach it. He never came to come and tell everybody what they wanted to hear and give a discourse to them about how well he could function in the law. He came to show them a different way. It was the way of the kingdom of God. This is an important statement I'm making. Jesus came as a fulfillment of the promise of the law. So God the Father set the law and then He said, but the time will come when there will be a Messiah that will come and He will be able to change things. He came as a fulfillment to the promise of the law. 
So why did He do that? He did it. He came so that we can be free from performance because the law will always make you perform. It's very much a do and don't, a yes or no. It's an everything or nothing position. I mean, the Apostle Paul writes in different places and I don't wanna get ahead of myself here, but he writes in different places. He says, if you want to only just keep one commandment of the law, then you must keep all the commandments. Or if you wanna keep all of the commands, if you just break one, then you've just broken all. It's an all or nothing thing. You can't have a portion of, I'm gonna live by the law and sometimes I live by grace. You either live by grace or you live according to the law. So He's taken performance out of our walk with Him. So why? So that in Him we can know the truth and the truth allows us to live in power, not performance. We live in power, not performance because the promise came to fulfill the law. Hallelujah. So when Jesus came, He didn't come to do something he came to do everything. He completely fulfilled the law so that we could live in the power of the freedom that He gives us. John 10, 26 says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Hallelujah. When you make Jesus Lord and Saviour of your life, there is nothing and no one that can take you away from Him. Nothing and no one. If you have received Him into your heart as your Lord and Saviour, there is nothing and there is no one that can take you away from the Father. This is good news. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus, something happened to Jesus and I'm going to read it to you from the Bible. Matthew 27, verse 45. From the sixth hour, Jesus is on the cross. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. All is an everything statement. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. And that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I want you just to notice something, that Jesus is alive, He is alive to witness that God has forsaken Him. God the Father did not turn His back on Jesus when He, after He was dead. God the Father turned His back on Jesus when Jesus was still alive. Isn't that what Jesus said? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
out of what condition is he talking here? He's talking as a man who has fulfilled all the law. But God is placing all of the judgment of all of our sin upon Jesus and He is judging Him. Therefore, He has to forsake Him. Verse 50, Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up His spirit. I want you to notice that He didn't die. He chose to leave the earth. The Bible doesn't say his spirit was taken from him because his body was too weak. There was nothing that could kill Jesus. He stood in front of Pontius Pilate. He said, you do not have the power to take my life unless I lay it down. All the time that they were beating Jesus, putting a crown of thorns on His head, making Him carry His cross as a man, all the time He was doing that, He had the inward power of God that was motivating Him. He knew full well that His body was not something that was going to last forever unless He laid it down Something, nothing could take his life, but he was in the, under this immense pressure to cave, to call on help because his body was under pressure. But the power and the strength of, the, of, of God and His Word in him, he knew actually this body in whatever weakened state it is, cannot overwhelm the Word of God and the will of God that is in me. So when he's on the cross and he experiences the judgment of our sin upon him, for he knew this was the moment that he was born for. So when he cries out, why have you forsaken me? It's not a question of, I don't understand. It's a question I've knew, I knew it, but at this moment, because he never knew the moment or how this process would work as a man. That's why people have many questions about this time, but it's clear from Scripture that He yielded His Spirit. He had to let His Spirit go. There was no one that had the power to take His life. At any moment when He was on that cross, because He was perfect human being, He could call on angels to deliver him and they would have to obey because he had kept the law perfectly. He had performed perfectly so that he could be the perfect promise. He is the perfect promise. Glory. I'd like to read to you from another translation. The Passion Translation says it this way. For three hours, beginning at noon, darkness came over the earth. And at three o'clock, Jesus shouted with a mighty voice in Aramaic, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani. That is my God, my God, why have you deserted me? 
And verse 50 says, Jesus passionately cried out, took his last breath and gave up his spirit. He had to choose. He had to choose, I give it. I give it. He had to choose, I give it. Because no one could take it from him. That's why Jesus had to die for us and He had to choose to take on the sin of the world and be the judgment of of the Father for us. It was His choice. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter one, verse one says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds. I'm just wanting to show you here that Jesus came to the earth. And when He came to the earth, He came as a, as a human being, completely man, And although he was born of the seed of God, everything he had to do, he had to do as a man. He had to speak the Word so that the Word of God could make him strong because he was man. It wasn't an automatic thing because he was born sinless that the Word of God just automatically lived in him. He had to speak the Word. He had to hear what the Father said and speak what the Father said. Isn't that what I just got reading to you? He has spoken to us through His Son, through whom also He made the world, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the Word of His power, when He had made Himself purged, our sins, when he had, and he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. He purged our sins. Who purged our sins? Jesus purged our sins. And because he made a choice, the way that He made a choice, because He made that choice, God the Father exalted Him and seated Him at, the right, at His right hand and He has made everything to be His inheritance. That's you and me. So there's nothing left out of that. That's an everything statement. To verse five, to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I've begotten you. I will, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. And the angel, and to the, of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But to the son, Jesus, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness 
is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And please bear with me. You, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. We're getting back to Psalms. They will perish, but you remain. Say what? Did I just read? Did you just catch that? In the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands and they will perish. But you will remain. That means everything that we know, as we know it today, land, sea, the scars will perish. But God and His Word will remain forever. Does it seem possible that everything on this, this whole planet can perish? Well, God said it will. So if we spend all our time trying to make ourselves comfortable on this thing that's going to be perishing, what's the point of doing that? That's, we miss the whole point of being here. If that's what we live for, then we miss the point of why we were born. We were not born to create for ourselves a slice of the earth that we can call ours, that we can say, look at, look at how wonderful my slice of earth is. I've got news for you. Even if you leave it to your children and your children's children, it's gonna disappear eventually. That's what the Bible says. But His Word will remain forever. So while I'm on this earth, everything I do by His Word will live with me eternally. Everything I do by myself will perish with me. Because I can't do anything I do out of my own will. I can't take it with me to heaven. But everything I do while I'm on the earth that is His words, His ways, goes with me. Well, can it be that simple? Yes. How complicated is it to get saved? How complicated is it to have Jesus in your heart? Come on. All you got to say is, Jesus, come and live in my heart. I recognise that I need a Saviour. So please come and be my Lord and Saviour. I believe in You, come and live in my heart. If you say that and believe that, you are immediately transitioned into a new creature status. And as you sit here today, you are living proof that God is real. Never mind the rest of the world, you are living proof that God is real. And as you speak those words, come and live in my heart, and He comes in and He, he comes in and He fills your spirit man with Himself, you become something different to what you were moments ago. Just moments ago. How much, how much time does it take? How big a deal is it for you to become born again? You just have to believe and speak. What happens if you speak without believing? You're not gonna get born again. Someone 
can pray with you or someone can say, and you might say it, but if you don't believe it, you won't be born again. How do I know? Because the Bible says it to me in Romans chapter 10. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. You have to both believe and speak. How? Come on now, come on. You're all born again, or most of you that are here today are born again Christians sitting here. That's the way you got saved. Is there anything greater in eternity than being saved? Because it's a guarantee for you that if you have made Jesus Lord and Saviour of your life, you are born again. When you are born again, you become a child of His. You become born again. Who does that work? Nicodemus tried to reason it out in his brain and he said, how does this happen? Can a man go back into his mother's womb? And Jesus said, what's born of the flesh is flesh and what's born of the Spirit is Spirit. You can't reason this, you have to believe this. Then He does the work, not you. That's why your salvation is of grace, not law. It's an everything or nothing statement. I believe Jesus with everything, I get born again. I have nothing to do with Jesus. You can't be born again. Even if you speak words out of your mouth. Now, it is possible. I will tell you this. And if you pray a prayer, God will use those words coming out of, out of your mouth as a seed that you will never forget if you don't yet believe. And the Bible says that there are some that sow, there are some that water, and there are some that reap. That's not our judgment to make. It's rather ours to walk in because He's the promise, not us. He's the one who made it all possible, not you or me. Hallelujah. So you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens in the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain and they will all grow old like a garment. I've got news for you. Your body will grow old like a garment. It will grow older and older. And eventually your body will cease to be. It will. I don't care how strong you feel now, especially when you're young. It's like I can conquer everything. But your body will eventually get older and older until you get to a point where your body can't host your spirit anymore. When that happens, the garment that hosts your spirit and keeps your soul, that garment will just lay down. Your spirit and your soul will live eternally. Your choice that you make on earth is gonna tell you which way, where you're gonna go. Hallelujah. That moment that you pray and you make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life, that moment is the moment when that marvelous new birth takes place. It happens in a moment. It's not something you can work for. It's not something you can say, I'm gonna become better at it before I make that choice. It's just something you say, okay, I'll pray that prayer. I believe it, I receive it. He does the miracle. Come on, is there any greater miracle than that? So then 
if that's a miracle that you and I can immediately live by, then every other miracle has the same foundation. Every other miracle in your life has the same foundation. Believe with your heart and speak with your mouth. It's an everything statement. Like a cloak, you will fold them up. This is your body, but it's also the heavens and the earth. Like a cloak, you will fold them up and they will be changed. But you are the same and yours will not fail. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who inherit salvation? Do you know? that there's lots of angels here right now this morning. And they're here because you're here. And when you leave, they go with you. They don't stay here. They go with you. Why? Because they sent to minister to you. How do you make your angel work for you? The same way that you got saved. I believe in my heart and I speak with my mouth the Word. When I speak the Word, they hear the Word coming out of my mouth and what they see is a Jesus Spirit speaking Jesus' words, just like Jesus was on the earth. He was speaking Father God words. When we speak Jesus' words and we speak God words, then they only see born again Spirit, Jesus' words get to work. There's no performance in this. This is all about the promise. And He gives us the power to live like this. Well, I got to do a little bit better to see if my faith will work. No, you don't. You just have to believe. Hallelujah. I want to go to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle, this is the apostle, the sent one, Jesus. Consider he the first apostle, the first sent one by God, and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. Jesus is the faithful one. What do we get? Do we try to perform our way into the things that the promise delivers? No, you can't buy faith. You can't buy faith. Neither can you fake faith. You either have faith or you don't. How do you get faith? It's a free gift given to you by Jesus. He died for you so that when you chose Him, He even gave you the faith to get saved. You can't even get saved by yourself. 
even though you say, I choose Him, He gives you the faith in your moment of choice to actually fulfill the transaction. It's not your faith that you can have. It's Him, the one who gave it to you. That's why He's the author, the beginning and the end, the finisher of our faith. He is the beginning of it, He's the end of it and everything in between. It's a nothing, everything and everything in between statement. That's why when you live by faith, you don't have to begin to concern yourself about whether or not your faith can work. I've got news for you. Your faith works. So you might say, well, but Pastor John, I don't see the result of my faith. I don't feel the effects of my faith. I'm not, uh, I, it seems to me like my faith is not working sometimes. What you're feeling and what is happening is two different things. So what is it that can stop your faith? Only you. The enemy of God will come and try and lie to you to give up your words. So that what happens is that when you are beginning to speak God's Word, faith is busy growing. You have the full measure of faith, but you have to learn how to use it. So it's growing in the use of the way you speak. In that process, if He can get you to live in your doubt, how will, how will He know that you're living in your doubt? By what you say. So how will He know that you're living in your faith? He won't know. He won't know how much faith you have. The enemy of God has no clue how much faith you got. If you just keep speaking the Word, he doesn't know how much faith you've got. He doesn't know how this, all he knows is every time there's a pressure, pressure, an influence, an influence, a pressure point, trying to get you to change, trying to get you to doubt, you don't. You just speak the Bible. You just speak the Bible. Every time he brings a pressure point, you just speak the Bible. So then what happens? He can't stop what God's got bringing to you. It has to come. But if, uh, if I can influence you to change something, meaning what you believe, and what you speak, if I can get you to change something, then I can get you to live in your doubt, not your new man. So, I've got so much to teach and so little time. But that's not new for you all. You all know that I have got always lots that the, word, that the, the, the Lord gives us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. In other words, I don't see you according to your earthly conduct. Even though we know Christ according to the flesh, 
yet we know Him thus no longer. In other words, we saw Him as a man, but we don't know Him as a man, we now know Him as Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. You can't be an in-between new creation. It's an everything statement. You are a new creature. I'll tell you what, if you wanna have faith, if you wanna speed up your faith in your family, in your home, in your household, you need to start, you can start doing like this. When you start to speak something that is about your humanity or about your boss or about your circumstances, just say, is this the new creature speaking or the old one? Is this the new creature speaking or the old one? I promise you, if you just do that for about two weeks, is this the new creature speaking or the old one? you will begin to see how your mind changes as to who's speaking here. Because if your circumstances can make you speak like the old creature, then you're gonna get what the old creature always has. But if you begin to speak what the new creature is, then you're gonna get what the new creature gets. Therefore, Anyone who is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things is an everything statement. There is nothing left out of the everything. There's not something else that's in between there. All things have become new. All things. So how come I still live in because I don't fully understand who's in me? So God has to send messengers like me to come and preach this kind of message to you today so that He can use these words, just like He used Jesus' words, to change the way you think as an old person. What does an old person, an old creature what are the primary drivers of an old creature? Fear, shame, guilt, desire of everything that your eyes and your, and your body lusts for. Money, power, all kinds of things that you as an old creature hold dear to you. Status, prestige, pride, ego. It's got quiet in this, in this faith church. It's got quiet. So what the enemy wants you to do is he wants to believe that everything you see and everything you hear that's around you, that everybody else is speaking, that that's your reality, not what the new creature is trying to tell you. Because the new creature is connected to Jesus. Where's Jesus sitting? Right hand of the Father. What's His worldview? Come on, I've, I've got through teaching this for weeks now. What's His worldview? His worldview is, I paid for everything for you. 
There's nothing you can pay for anymore. The tab for your life has been paid for. Everything that's in your life has been paid for. Your freedom from fear has been paid for. Your deliverance from guilt and shame has been paid for. All of your needs has already been met in Christ Jesus. Everything that you ever want is in the new creature that is connected to Him who sits on the right hand of the Father. He meets all your needs. So where does, where does the enemy want you to live? He doesn't want you to live there because that kind of person can't be intimidated. And so his whole thing is about if I can intimidate you or if I can influence you, I can get you to live like every other human being. Then you are no longer a testimony of the promise. He wants to shut the promise down. He doesn't want people to live like the promise people. He wants the people to live like other people live. Come on. Say, I'm a promised promised person. I'm a new creation. I'm a new creature. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I tell you what, if you begin to see each other, that's what Corinthians started off with. I don't see you as a natural being anymore. I wanna hear what your spirit man is saying. What's your spirit man saying? If I hear your spirit man, you as a natural person speaking like a normal person, then I recognise immediately this is not the new creature speaking, this is the normal person speaking. So I don't know this person anymore. I'll befriend you, I'll love you, I'll be to you whatever you need me to be to you, but I don't know that person. My spirit man is wanting to hear what your spirit is hearing from God. I'm designed for that. That's my design. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So what's our job on the earth now? We have to be Jesus on the earth. So just the same way that Jesus reconciled us to the Father, we are the contact point for others to be reconciled to Jesus. We are the contact point. So what is it about Christians? What is it about Christians that seem to put people off Christianity? Come on, who's the biggest enemy of the kingdom of God? It's not the devil. He is the, okay, okay, he's the biggest enemy. But the biggest tool, one of the biggest tools in his hand is the church. It's other Christians. Why? Because other Christians want to live in the something zone. They don't want to live in the everything zone. They want to live in the something zone. Sometimes I will get something. And when other people see Christians living in the something zone, they say, I don't want the something. Because that is nothing to me. What is he look, what is the world looking for? 
The world is looking for everything Christians. The world is looking for Christians that when you press pressure, Jesus comes out. When you squeeze influence, Holy Ghost language comes out. Not the other verbal abuse type. Holy Ghost language. I have to switch this thing off now. It doesn't mean I'm finished preaching. <laughs> but I am nearly, nearly. Praise the Lord. People are looking for Christians that are sold out to God, to sold out to Jesus, because they understand this new creature is the new person that wants to talk all the time. This new creature wants to do the talking. This new creature wants to do the speaking. It wants to do the behaving. It wants to do the everything. The new creature in you doesn't have to try. It's automatically born to do. All you gotta do is feed it. And when you just feed it the Word of God, you move from the something zone to the, you move out of the nothing zone all the way to the everything zone. And you do, you don't really want to live this something in between life. But you know what? I was saying to the young people the other day, what happens is that you get into this groove, the devil comes to lie to you and says, unless you change everything in your life, then you are nothing. And you got to say, but everything's changed in my life. I don't have to live in the something zone. I'm living in the everything zone because I'm already a new creature. There is nothing that I can change from my own self. The power is already inside of me to live it. The minute I try and live something by myself, I'm going back to the law. And the law is trying to tell me do's and don'ts, rights and wrongs. When I see Christians living in it's right or it's wrong, you must or you mustn't, I already automatically can see the old man mentality coming through because the whole world system works in a fairness system or not fair, a right or a wrong or a this or a that. It's all about performance. None of it is about grace. It's not about promise. It's about performance. I don't know about you, but I want the fullness of the promise. I don't want to live in my performance. I got nothing in my performance that can do anything for you. I am acutely aware that this vessel that is standing in front of you will one day fold. And these words that I'm speaking to you now, they will live in eternity, but my vessel will fold. And if you judge my words, and what I do as a messenger, if you judge that by my human nature, then you are missing the point because you're judging me on performance. So I'm not here to give you a performance. I'm here to tell you about the promise. Because when I tell you about the promise, you receive the power. I'm acutely aware of how little I've got to give you as performance. All I've got to do is live in the promise and He releases the power. But God, I messed up so bad. If you'd heard the words coming out of my mouth the other day, 
Say what? If you'd heard the words, which ones? I don't remember them. Even when they came out of your mouth, I didn't even recognise them. I don't remember them because I don't know you that way. I only see how much of Jesus you're using or you're not. So all of the stuff that you're living that you think you've got to perform by, I don't even see that stuff. Just tell me what's coming out of the new creature. So He predestined us from time before that we would get born. And when we would get born, we would have an opportunity to receive Jesus into our lives. So He has an ancient path that we are supposed to live in now. And the ancient path that He's called us to live in is that when you receive Jesus, you now live by promise, not performance. You live by power, not personality. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. And then I'm free, man. I'm free because I'm free to let the new creature speak. And so what if you get it wrong? Oh, gee, so what? He doesn't even remember it. He's not even thinking about what I get wrong because he's not about right or wrong anymore. He's about, let the new creature go. Let it out. Let it out. How do I do that? I just speak what I hear the Father speaking. Praise the Lord. Glory to Jesus. So, this is a time for us that I, I don't know how many of you are here, but over the years, I've often referred to the revelation that God gave me. And I'm, I'm really closing now. You know, it's like the, Paul, like the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians. Halfway through, read it for yourself. Halfway through the letter to them, he says, finally, my brethren. <laughs> halfway through the letter. So now it's halfway through the message, finally. No, uh, remember years ago, the Lord gave me a revelation that He has got ancient paths for us to walk on. And the way that we walk on our ancient paths is with an ancient language. You can't walk on your ancient path without an ancient language. You, because the new creature understands ancient language, the old creature only speaks current language. I'm giving you years ago teaching in a nutshell here. So, the ancient path, God predestined, He gave you, when He, when he birthed you, He says, hey, here's a few gifts. Here's, here's, a, here's a thing that I want you to do on earth. Here's a plan. Here's an assignment. Here's a purpose for you. Go do it. And you say, hey, check at me. I'm this great athlete. I can play world-class whatever. You might be the best in the world. And God says, Hmm, I wonder how much of that is performance. And where's me? Because that cloak that you're performing with is going to do what? It's going to fold. So who cares that men who also fold their clothes are going to remember you for years to come? 
It's not the men that you have to worry about. It's the one that sits on the right hand of the Father. He's the one you should be concerned about. So, in my closing, ancient paths. If you speak the language of performance, do and don't, right or wrong, effort versus little effort, system of reward versus ability, if everything is performance-based, then your whole mentality is based on the old creature and every la- all the language of the creature that lives in the world at the time that you are born into, which changes from generation to generation. Now, you people want to know about how good you look on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook. That wasn't here 50 years ago. So what was the language of 50 years ago that you had to abide by to be a fitting in one? Because at that time, you had to speak the language of the natural man to get anywhere. So performance-based people live according to the language of the day. God says, I have an ancient plan for you to walk on and the ancient language is the one that gets you there. It's the language of the new creature who only speaks the promises of God. And part of the promise is the Holy Spirit, which He gives to you. And if you are in that place where you have received the language of speaking in tongues, then you have an additional language which you can speak, which is, the Word of God plus a direct connection to the Father. Praying in the language of the Holy Spirit about everything that must come to pass. Ancient path, ancient language, ancient fulfillment of purpose and destiny. Arrive in heaven, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Here is the reward, the righteous man's crown. This is the crown of life. This is the whatever, whatever, whatever. This is not about rewards. This is just what you get. And so ancient path, ancient language, ancient promise. What do I do? I just have to walk in faith. So the Lord showed me that this ancient path is a pathway. And in recent times, He's wanted me to begin to speak to you like this. And you will hear this coming from me and you'll hear this coming out of the ministry a lot. We're on a journey. We're on a journey. You and I will never arrive. There's never a day when we get to where we arrive. We are on a journey. And we are a journey in Christ. We are on a journey in God. And what are we doing on this journey? We are discovering as we go along, we are discovering how we use what He's given us for His glory. So we're on a journey to new discoveries in God. So you're going to hear this coming out of the ministry. We are on a journey to new discoveries. We are on a journey to new discoveries. We are going to discover how 
powerful that new creature is in you. I mean, if I was you, I'd be a lot more excited about this. Because hold on a minute, there's a new creature inside of you that's got all of Almighty God living inside of him. All of, all of, all of, all of, all of everything, everything from the foundations of the earth, everything that Jesus died for, everything is all inside of you. And it's just waiting to come out and speak things into being and speak a new life and speak the new things. And, and when the old temptations come that used to come and bind you and hold you and keep you back, you say, I'm free from that because I'm discovering how powerful this new creature is inside of me. Oh, but, but, but. When you have to say but, then you're talking the old language. There's no buts. That's a nothing statement. I receive the promise. I'm living in the promise. That's an everything statement. Come on, you and I don't want to live in the in the in-between something, something. And we don't want to live in the nothing, nothing, because there's nothing in nothing. Remember how I started? There's nothing in nothing. And you don't want to live in something because something is nauseating. Even to God, He says, if you hot, you hot, and if you cold, you cold. But the in-between guys, I spit them out of my mouth. You don't want to live in the something zone. But unfortunately, most Christians live in the something zone. So don't try and change everything. Just live like the new creature wants you to live. That's the only time I'll say you give Him something. But when you give Him something, you're actually giving Him everything. Because when you make the decision, I'm going, then you just go. Praise the Lord. If I have to come off the stage, nah. And when I step off the stage, there's a point of no return, right? Right now, I'm pretty safe. As I get a little bit closer with my legs to the edge of the stage here, there's a point of no return. Right now, right now, about right now, I'm living in the something zone. I don't want the nothing, but I'm on balance here. Uh, but the minute you say, I want the everything zone, you got to go. <laughs> and then you can't go back. Who wants to go back when you said, I'm all in? Hallelujah. When you're in that kind of zone, it's like all the angels of heaven are saying, I've been waiting for this dude. I've been waiting for this girl. I've been waiting for this guy. I've been waiting for him for a long time to speak like Jesus speaks. And that's power that's in him. I've been waiting for him because I can work now. I've been sitting on my backside doing nothing for a long time. He's angel. Come on, make me work, man. I want to go and bring in all the needs that you have, all the business that you require, all of the healing, all of the stuff, all of the things that you need. I want to make it available to you. Come on, stand to your feet, everybody. Glory to Jesus. Woo! 
Come on, put your hand on your heart like this. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you are my Saviour, that you live in my heart. I thank you, Lord, I am a new creature. All things are passed away. All things are new in me. From this day, I'm living in the everything zone. In Jesus' Name. And where I'm weak, You make me strong. And where I can't, You say I can. And when I say maybe, You say, do it. In Jesus' Name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Come on, just raise your hands and praise Jesus. Praise You, Jesus. Praise You, Lord. Praise You, Lord. Praise You, Lord. Praise You, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, this is what it's like to live in the everything zone. This is what it's like to live in the everything zone. Right here, what you're doing now is the everything zone. It's that easy. It's that easy. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. That's how easy it is. You don't have to wait for some church event on a Sunday. You just walk out of here and you just keep speaking stuff. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yes, I know that I've made bad decisions, but Lord, I've got the strength now. I'm working on the new man. I'm on this journey of new discoveries with Pastor John and with the whole church. We're all in this boat together. Hallelujah. Yeah, but what about the storms? We're gonna tell them to go away. Just like Jesus did. Uh, but, 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 that's the old man talking, but. Don't but, but. Don't be the but end of the joke. Hallelujah. You're just stepping from one degree of glory to the next. You're coming upwards. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Praise the Lord. I want to pray for you before I let you go. You ready for the blessing of the Lord to come upon you today? I just pray, Father, that in the name of Jesus, this Word will have a firm, a firm planting of the, in their hearts in the name of Jesus. And they will receive it and they will nurture it and it will grow strong in their hearts. And I pray in the name of Jesus that your great peace rests upon them. Great joy comes out of their heart. And I pray that they will see the great victories and the great promise that you have prepared for them. I also ask you, Father, that no weapon formed against them will prosper. And I thank You, Lord, that You put a shield around them of Your Word and the blood of Jesus. And right now, Your angels are sent forth to protect them because I ask it and they agree with it in the Name of Jesus. And you agree with it by saying? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And now we're gonna go and have church for the next three days at Mary Pebbles and on our motorbikes. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. You think church just got finished? We just got started. When those motorbikes engines rev up, we can go into the new creature. I'll give you my impersonation of a motorbike, shall I? <laughs> Come on, you've got to roar yourself into new creature status. Leave the old man behind. Hallelujah.
Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bye, y'all. <laughs>